Greetings to each of you in Jesus' name this morning. This is the second Sunday of Advent that we want to spend time together preparing our hearts. I don't know if you ever think about these kinds of things, but uh, maybe it's because I spent some years as uh, what some of you might call a Scrooge, meaning I don't, uh, I didn't really pay much attention to Christmas and didn't really do a whole lot to celebrate Christmas or wasn't all that concerned about Christmas. Um, Maybe it's because of that. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because my brain's weird and I think of weird things like this, but do you ever stop and think about what, uh, what is necessary for you to be able to celebrate Christmas? And I would just encourage you, uh, as you maybe give some thought to that, you're sitting here in church, so it's pretty easy to give what I call church answers, which is to say the answer that we think we should give when we're here, when other people are listening and paying attention, but it's not really the answer that we would honestly give or, or the, the, uh, what we're doing with our lives, the actions that we're doing wouldn't actually, wouldn't agree with that statement you just made. So what is actually necessary for us to be able to celebrate Christmas? And I'm not, necess- I'm not saying that to suggest something about what ought or not, ought not to be part of your Christmas celebrations. I think it's just a good question to ask. If we're supposed to be led during these weeks leading up to Christmas, led into this anticipation, this waiting, this, this looking for the arrival of Jesus, then what does that mean? What does it take? What is it, what's necessary for us to have, uh, to, for us to come to Christmas and say, now Jesus has been born. And as we are going through this Advent series here at, at, at Riverview at this, in this year, uh, we're not only looking at what what's leading up to the birth of Jesus, but we're looking at the advent or the coming of Jesus Christ when he comes again. So that's why I'm also maybe asking that question is, let's not just focus on what do we have to do to make this a perfect Christmas for us. And part of that is expecting and having advent come. But what does it take, and Merlin talked a little bit about this, what does it take for us to be ready for Christ's return or to be ready for the day that we're called home? because that may come first. Undoubtedly, that's why all of the believers in Scripture and why God, I think, leads us this way is uh, leads us to have an understanding that says Christ could return at any moment, even when he may not necessarily be on the brink. If you think, look back in the book of Acts and they would live that way and he wasn't on the brink of coming because it was a long time still, right? But they were to live that way. I think it's because of the reality that we don't know the number of our days. God knows them. Well, last week we talked about hope. We talked about the expectation, the, the, the hope that the coming of Christ fulfills as a baby and the hope that he's going to fulfill when he comes again. Now, one of the tendencies we have when we talk about hope is we tend to look way down and look at all the rosiness of down there and we tend to, it, it sometimes makes us, um, it sometimes makes us not appreciate or not carry that hope within the things we're walking through, the difficult things. I even made a statement like that last week. We look around us and the world is crumbling, it seems to most of us. Uh, the Life isn't always good. There's a lot of difficulty. There's struggles. There's just hurt piled upon hurt and broken relationship upon broken relationship. And uh, culture around us seems to be disintegrating and all kinds of things. And I asked the question, like, do any of you have any hope left? And when we look at life that way, I just want to be careful about that, because when we look at life that way, we sometimes then feel like there's all this good down the road and none of it's now. 
But God is always working, and I would like us to see that even in the midst of pain and difficulty, God is working. And that's a lot of what today is going to be about. Last week was about hope. Today is about faith. If you're following an Advent, and I'm discovering there's more than one order they go in, so I don't really know. I'm not really too concerned about it, but the one I'm following, the second Sunday of Advent is faith, and we're going to light the faith candle today when, when we get there at the appropriate time. But I'd like today to take the opportunity to not just talk about faith in general, but I'd like to sort of add a phrase to that, and because I want us to know if we are filled with hope and anticipation and we're looking for the coming of Jesus to come, then when we talk about faith, I believe we are talking about what does it mean to be faithful while we wait? What does it mean to faithfully wait for Jesus to come? Because that's the difficulty. I'm hoping... I'm hoping there's lots of us here this morning that if we were given a choice, we would say we want Jesus to come right now because that would be far better. We want it all to be done, right? But the reality is if we carry a mindset that says I want Jesus now and nothing less than that is going to make me content or satisfied, then we're missing what I think a whole bunch of scripture talks about. The righteous will live by faith, which means we are to faithfully wait for him to come. We are to be longing for it. We are to be reaching for it. We are to be preparing ourselves for it. But as we do that, we are to faithfully wait. Psalm 4610 says this. It's a very well-known psalm, but I think it encapsulates some of what we're talking about this morning. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I want you to see this morning the last part of that verse. I'm going to light the hope candle because I think the last part of that verse uh, illustrates the hope that we have. This is what we talked about last week. God says, I will be exalted. It's coming. It's going to happen. It is happening, actually. But even in a grand way, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Jesus said that when he returns, every eye will see, right? There will not be a pair of eyes left on earth that will not be aware of the coming of Christ. Scripture tells us that every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I will be exalted, God says. Last week I said all of our hope, our hope is built on the fact that what God says is going to happen. So here's what God says. God says he will be exalted among the nations. He will be exalted in the earth. But then look at the first line, because I think that's where we find ourselves in the message today. Be still and know. That word be still has an aspect of waiting. Quiet yourself. Wait. Rest. So much of what we see and so much of what's important during this season of preparing for Christmas is frenetic, frantic activity. Constant scrabbling. Constant trying to get ahead. Constant making sure everything's right. Constantly trying to control everything. If there's something that I think we as humans have as an Achilles heel, if you know what, that, what I mean by that, if something that's our biggest weakness is that we want to be in control. 
We want to be in control of our own lives and our own destinies and our own families, our own children, our own siblings, our own parents, our own church, our own country, our own everything. We want to be in control. And this verse, if we're willing to listen to it, sits us back in our seat and says, be still and know that God is God. He will be exalted. He will be exalted. Rest. This is what, now, please don't get an idea that we don't do anything. But I'm trying to, I'm hoping we get to a place today where we can see that faithfully waiting carries an attitude, a mindset, a, a, a perspective, a reality deep inside of us that says, I have but to be, continue to be faithful to God in all the little things is where we're going to start and allow God to bring whatever big things he wants in our lives. But the little things, to be faithful, 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 because I believe that God will be exalted. While I'm doing that, but ultimately, I don't have to be frantic. To open your Bibles today, I want you to read with me as we read through Isaiah chapter 40. Well, we're not going to read the whole chapter. It would be good to, but it would... You may not appreciate me afterwards. Isaiah chapter 40. Hear these words, church of Jesus Christ, as you prepare in your hearts for the coming of Jesus Christ and to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And as you prepare your hearts for the second coming of Jesus Christ, hear these words. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill may be made low, and the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain." And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God, would you once again just teach us from your word today? You're so faithful in this, in this and today we want to hear your words as they are brought to us. We want to be changed by them. We want to be led by them. We want our lives to be shaped by them. For we believe they're your precious, inspired word of God, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. While we are preparing ourselves and we want to faithfully wait, it's these words God's bring, God brings to us. Comfort my people. Comfort, speaking tenderly. Your warfare is ended. Now the first place we need to apply this text, I believe, is firmly, because it's always true for us, is firmly as the gospel hits us with our sins and our own need for salvation. When God says, speak tenderly to the people, bring comfort to the people, help them to see how to faithfully wait to say that your warfare is ended, your iniquity is pardoned, I believe it must start with us recognizing that we don't, we're not about frantically trying to save ourselves. Jesus has done that. Now we're kind of looping around and getting ahead of ourselves, but when Jesus came, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ at Christmas time. When Jesus came, he did exactly that. He came to set us free from our sins so that God really could say to us, your warfare is ended. Your iniquity is pardoned. If nothing else happens, please, brothers and sisters, if nothing else happens at Christmas time, can you please thank the Lord that your iniquities are pardoned? 
Can you please praise God that your warfare, your, your need to try to make yourself right before him is ended. Jesus has brought victory, has brought salvation. But I believe the verse extends beyond that because if we're faithfully waiting, I think it also, it's again, it's this resting in God. Now, this, it's a balance to find and, and maybe I'm going to come down too hard on one side and not on the other, but I do that, I think, because I, I, I see the places where I think we get caught up all the time. So resting and saying that our warfare is ended, resting in Him is to say that when I'm faithful, I'm, I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to do what I can do. But I'm not going to be frantic about what seems to be out of control. I'm not going to be wringing my hands at what seems to be just going all the pieces around me. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to have faith, if you want to put it that way. And much of what I see in our lives as we're between the first and second comings is in this verse right here. And we're going to see the fulfillment of this verse. But look at this verse. We know what this is talking about, right? We know the Christmas story. But stay here in the text for a bit. As Isaiah says, a voice is crying, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And I want to tell you today, are you listening? I want to tell you today that Almost all of what you are to be doing, I believe, between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus, the work that we're to be doing can fit in this, encapsulated in these, in these words. That our role is in the wilderness to prepare a way for the Lord, for his return, to make straight in the desert a highway for God to come. Look at the obstacles he mentions. He says every valley should be lifted up. Because if you're here and there's a big valley, you got to go way down here before you can come way up back up here again. Every mountain and hill brought low. Because if you're, there's a hill, you got to go up over it before you come down. He says every, every rough place be made plain, every uh, uneven ground become level. He's saying we should prepare as much as we can for Jesus to be able to come. Now this is on a, on a big picture, but it's also, this finds its, its home in all kinds of little pictures. Parents, think of your children in your own home and think of the role that we carry. I carry as a dad, my wife carries as a mom, but we carry, this is what we're to do. We're to remove every obstacle so that Jesus can come to our children, so that they can come to him. We see those barriers, don't we? We see the hills that are there sometimes. We see the valleys that are there. And as much as we can, we're the voice crying out, prepare the way for Jesus. So that he can come into my children's hearts. So that when he comes knocking, they'll say yes. Now, if you want to get really practical, I can just be honest with you. Sometimes those barriers, sometimes those mountains that they have to climb over are my impatience and my temper. That puts a barrier in front of my children to come to Jesus. Sometimes it's my need to control them. That puts a barrier in front of them seeing who God is. Sometimes the valley is my lack of love. When I don't hug them or tell them I love them. And that makes a big valley that they have to walk through before they get to Jesus. Now I did this with my children 
You can do this with all kinds of relationships you have. You work with people every day. I'm assuming most of you rub shoulders with people every day. And every one of them is on a journey of whether they know who Jesus is or don't even know who he is or have known some about him or have received Jesus. And in every one of those situations, there's, their lives are littered with mountains and hills and valleys and rough places and places that need to be made smooth. A role that we play while we are faithfully waiting is in the wilderness we prepare a way for the Lord to make straight in the desert a highway for God. Let me keep reading. I don't want to keep, uh, let me just keep reading because I want to read more words from Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 6 now. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. I didn't read that very well, so let me read that again. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Interesting. As we're preparing the way, as we're crying out, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight those paths, get rid of those barriers, do everything we can so that Jesus can come into the hearts of people around us and into our own hearts if that's what it takes. What am I supposed to cry? As I faithfully wait, I faithfully point to the fact that this story is much bigger than me. Look at what he says. He draws our minds to the fact that grass, which right now our grass is in the process of dying, isn't it? It's been green. It's actually been pretty green so far, but it's in the process of dying. It's turning brown. The flowers that you had growing, they're probably fading right now. Irvin showed me a picture just the other week of a, one rose he had left that had frost on it. Maybe he showed some of you that picture. Had some frost and some snow on it. Actually, it had been covered in snow. When the snow melted, the, the rose was still there, of all things, because everything else had died. But the reality of the picture is, that's what flowers and grasses are like, right? They're very temporary. Well, guess what? Isaiah says very clearly, that's us. That's us. Our flesh. We. We are temporary. We're like the flowers of the field and the grass. And it withers when God blows on it. But I'll tell you something that doesn't fade. I'll tell you something that doesn't change. I'll tell you something that stays long, long, long after I'm gone. After you're gone. And that's God's word. The things he said. You see how we're going to come back to the same thing? Our hope is built on the fact that when God says things, that's what happens. And today, as we talk about faithfully waiting, we're, to, we're, we're in the same refrain, aren't we? Maybe as we're crying out, maybe as we're preparing the way, maybe as we're making the straight paths, maybe as we're recognizing that we're to faithfully wait and point people to Jesus, that part of that is to point people away from us. It's much bigger than us. It's much bigger than me. It's much bigger than you. Because I'm fading. I'm wasting away. I'm but a moment, my life but a blip. And all the things I'm saying about me are true for you too. Take a step back. Just like the flower fades so quickly, my life fades. Boy, this is a theme we're bringing, bringing to us this morning. But the word of God will stand forever. What God says is going to happen isn't going to change. It's to that faithfulness. Isn't it interesting, by the way, that our faithfulness is really about pointing to the faithfulness of God. It's really about pointing to the faithfulness of who God is. 
Let's keep reading. Verse 9. Go on up to the high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up. Fear not. Boy, these are words we need to hear today. Lift it up and fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. And I want you to see this morning, church, I want you to see the juxtaposition and were we to be able to read on in Isaiah, you'd read more about the power of God. But do you know what the word juxtaposition is? The, the, the clashing, the bringing together of two things that are opposite because God is coming with might and his arm rules for him and there's power and there's times when we are anticipating the coming of Jesus and that's what we're looking for. But look at what it says then. He says he'll tend his flock like a shepherd. He'll gather the lambs in his arms. Now this is no longer power, is there? This is not pictures of, this is pictures of gentleness. He'll carry those lambs in his bosom. He'll gently lead those that are young. And I'm telling you, when we look for the coming of Jesus, we're also looking for that. We're also looking for that. A shepherd who will care for us. For sure, there are times when we can be strong-armed into being faithful to God. For sure, there are times when we see the awe of who God is and we get a glimpse of his power and we tremble and we know we dare not do anything but be faithful to him. But for sure, we also are sometimes led by the quiet voice of our shepherd inviting us, whispering to us that he cares for those deepest hurts inside of us and he'll lead us. He's a good shepherd. He wants your faithfulness, not just because he's powerful and can wipe you out if he wanted to, but he wants your faithfulness to him because he loves you and because you love him and because you willingly surrender yourself to a shepherd like that. You will follow his voice. But I'll tell you why I wanted to read this section because as I was thinking about faithful waiting, I was looking at this verse right here. Behold, Here's the, here's the pronouncement that's being made as he's comforting people. He's saying your warfare has ended. He's saying make straight a path. Point to Jesus, not to yourself. See the fleeting, the shortness of your life and point to something much bigger, something that will stand forever. And the good news is this. Here comes the Lord. He comes with might and his arm rules for him. Did you see the second half of that verse? Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense is before him. And when I read this verse, sitting at my desk this week, behold, his reward is with him. Immediately like this, I thought of this verse right here. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Here's the word that Isaiah is giving. He says, God is coming with might. His arm is ruling for him. His reward is with him. And there it is for us. As we faithfully wait, we are doing so, being faithful to our faithful God, because we're waiting for the reward. We're willing to defer until that moment when our hope is realized fully. And he says he's coming with his reward. And it's encapsulated in this verse in Hebrews eleven six: 6. Without faith... You're not going to please God. 
Because you must believe that he exists, first of all, and that he'll reward those. That when he comes, that when this verse in Isaiah is fulfilled, that when he comes, his reward will be with him. He won't come empty-handed. He will come with those words we long to hear, right? Well done, good and faithful servant. Come enter into your reward. That's my paraphrase. Come enter into the joy prepared for you. Your reward. Well, we saw these words play out. We can't go on reading Isaiah 40. I'd love to. By the way, you should go read them this week. If you want to, or anytime you need to expand your viewpoint of who God is, read Isaiah verse 40, uh, chapter 40, verse 12 through the end of the chapter because they're going to tell you who God is. They're going to remind us of how great God is. But I want us to see this morning, the point of the message this morning is to see that these fulfillments came. So I'm going to go to the gospel of Mark and I'm just going to read, begin reading the beginning of the gospel of Mark because it says this, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God, as it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, and then he quotes, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So we just read these verses and 600 years later, a man showed up on the scene and began to say these things. John appeared, it says in verse 4, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to stop there for a moment. As you see the fulfillment of John the Baptist coming, as you see the words of Isaiah echoed and said, here is that voice that's crying out. I want you to see how closely John's message matches what, what Isaiah continued to say. Remember what the next thing was? The voice said, cry out. And he said, what should I cry out? You cry out that all grass, it, it's all flesh is like grass. And it withers and it fades away when the hot breath of God blows on it. And flesh is like that. So all flesh will fail, will fade. But the word of God endures forever. He's pointing outside of himself. And John, when he comes, he says, you need to know. He, he, begins, to, uh, he begins to proclaim the baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. But look at the words he says. He's preparing a way for Jesus, but the specific words as he prepares for Jesus, he says, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Do you see what John just did? He just said, the story is much bigger than me. He said, it's much more than about me. I'm here temporarily. I'm here just for this moment. But the word has come. Right? The word has come. The beginning, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, was God. And the Word became flesh, and that flesh was what, that Word becoming flesh was what John was pointing to. He says, there's one coming who is much bigger than me, much more mighty than I am. Remember, behold your God, he's coming with his might and his arm. There's one coming mightier than I. I'm not even worthy to stoop down. You know, later on in, 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 in his uh, ministry, John would say words like this. He would say that I must decrease and Jesus must increase. As we are faithfully waiting, I'm telling you this is the humble cry that's to come out of our mouths. I am fleeting. You are fleeting too. Your life is fleeting. Time will be over just like that for you. 
But one is here who is greater than me. The word of God does not change. Jesus, who is the word of God in flesh, has come to set us free. He came, and if we'd read through the gospel, we'd understand all the things that Jesus did. And it's those things that we are eagerly awaiting and eagerly celebrating as Jesus comes. I'm sorry, as, as, as we're eagerly celebrating as we celebrate Christmas. John said these words too. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And today as I light this candle, I was just thinking of the faith candle and for us to live faithfully and for us to be able to continue to endure and to look to the end and to the reward that is coming. I recognize that in scripture, very often fire is used to represent the Holy Spirit. The purifying work of the Holy Spirit in us. And I'm reminded that as we light a candle to say that we are to faithfully wait for the coming of Jesus Christ, it has to come with the recognition that it must be the Holy Spirit inside of us, dwelling in us, that allows us to faithfully wait, that allows us to keep our eye on the prize, that allows us to stop the fighting, both to make ourselves right with God, but to stop the fighting with each other, to stop the scrabbling, to stop the frantically trying to control things, but to be still and to wait, to rest, to know that God will be exalted, to know that God will come in his might, his arm will rule, and he will bring his reward with him. And when we are faithfully waiting, that reward will be ours, along with all those who are faithfully waiting with him. Today, I'd like to read in closing to you some verses from 2 Peter chapter 3. I told you all along that we're going to be laying over the first coming of Jesus Christ and the anticipation of that with the second coming of Jesus Christ and the anticipation of that. It's a bit of a longer section, but I want to read it all for you because I think it all hooks together. In 2 Peter chapter 3, and if you want to open your Bibles, you can follow them along as I read for you. Because Peter is beginning to prepare the church for the second coming of Jesus Christ. And the advent of Christ and our faithful waiting is put on display just like it is as we think of celebrating Christmas. It's, we think of it here. This is what Peter says. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. This is an issue now of has what God said going to be true or not going to be true. So this fits in right with the message we've had. Verse 5. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, water that is, by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with the roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all of these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be 
in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. I'm going to pause. I'm going to stop there. We can read the rest of the chapter. But we've, the word waiting has been there a couple of times. I just want to bring that back to us because that's going to fit us in with the message this morning. God is not slow in keeping his promise, is he? His word will come true, but he's being patient. I appreciate Chris's heart when he leads sharing time and his prayer for about every single time he prays, he asks that if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus, that today would be the day. And I want you to make this, this as absolutely personal as you possibly can today. God is patient not willing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And if that's you here today, that you would end up apart from God for eternity in hell because you haven't received Jesus Christ, that patience is extended to you today. Today should be the day. Don't overlook this one fact, because it will happen, right? Notice how many wills I read? I tried to emphasize as I read them. It's going to happen. It will happen. It will happen. It will happen. But we, what are we doing? What are we doing? Well, Peter says this. Peter says, according to the promise, we're waiting. We're waiting for new heaven and new earth in which righteousness dwells. And while we wait, we want to wait faithfully, don't we? We want to wait. We want to prepare ourselves. He gave us some very nice clues in here what we should be doing, what lives of holiness and godliness we should be living, what lives free of, of impurities and blemishes, what lives full of peace, resting, being still before God and knowing that he will be exalted, that these days are coming. I do need to flip back one time to read the last part of Isaiah 40. I can't not read them. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, that my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? This might be the cry of us during these days in our culture today. God, why are you not paying attention? Why don't you care about what we're, what's going wrong around us? Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right, my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might. That's us. That's me. Who gives no might. He increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God, would you help us today to faithfully wait for you, to not, not hide, to not like go in a corner because we think the world is falling apart around us and we're just waiting for the hope that's going to come someday. And please let it be soon, God. 
and not going out and, and strong-arming and frantically trying to get things in, 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 under our control and putting all these things in place and trying to manage everything, but help us to be still before you. Help us to wait on you. Help us to rely upon you. Help us to be quiet before you. Help us to know that in my incredible weakness, your strength is perfected. Help me to wait faithfully, God, for Jesus to come. And while I'm being faithful, help me to make sure that I'm doing everything I can to have my life pure before you. That I'm allowing the Holy Spirit free access to my life to clean up, to, to let me know when I'm not right and, and walk in repentance. To keep pointing, to people, uh, pointing, to, pointing people out to the story that's bigger than us, bigger than me, bigger than any of us. It's you, Jesus. You are the hero. You are the one who endures. It's the word of God that will stand. And it's the promises that we're, that we're banking our hope on and living faithfully towards. But it's you, Jesus. You are the word made flesh. You are the hope we have. You're the anchor that we have. You are the one who went before us. You are our rear guard. You are the one who will carry us home. And it is you that will be waiting for us. Oh, Lord Jesus, we long for you to come. And while we wait, help us to wait faithfully. Help us to be busy doing the little things of making sure we're right. Making sure we're removing all obstacles for others around us to come to Jesus making sure that we are compelled by the love of Christ to no longer look at anyone according to the flesh, but do so according to the Spirit and working towards the new creations in us and in them, being ambassadors for you, letting death work in us so that life can work in others. This is the faithful waiting you want. praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.